Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got to tell you about those relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists, particularly because it is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that's been prioritizing quality and consistency without staining your sheets. Seriously, can help with deep muscle tissue discomfort. And you can find at your local light shade dispensary. There's 10, soon to be 11 in the Denver metro area. 11 will come around by the end of next month. And Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, so much more. Now, you can actually get 25% off non-sale items using code DNVR when you shop online at lightshade.com for your pickup or just visit a Lightshade location near you. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee now. Delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. However frequently that you need help with those chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. And now 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we look at a Rockies Mount Rushmore. Uh, that was all over social media yesterday. We talk about a trade tree for the Colorado Rockies that lasted 22 years to finally complete and we get an update on the lockout as both sides have met over the last two days where are we at in day 85 of the lockout but on tuesday you probably if you were active on twitter or if you were tuning into sirius xm radio and switched over to mlb network radio you heard that all day they were breaking down Mount Rushmore players. They've really been doing it for the past week or so as, well, frankly, they're supposed to be covering baseball as far as spring training is concerned. And they're having a hard time doing that. Everyone's really having a hard time doing that. So they have to get a little bit creative. And creative is exactly what they did, talking about both the Rockies and the Marlins. And Ryan Spielberg, of course, using his platform to say, hey, fans, who would be on your Mount Rushmore, the top four players of all time in Colorado Rockies history? And so many of you reached out to him, which, again, I just love the engagement and the passion that everyone who listens to this show has, whether you do get yourself active on social media or not. You certainly let me know in your emails at patrick at thednvr.com. You can send those to me. Appreciate all the great love and feedback that you've been given, even on your reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I love reading those reviews. May need to do some of that a little bit more frequently. So thank you for taking that time out, those of you who have. But a lot of the responses were very similar because, well, frankly, there are two Hall of Famers that the Rockies have produced in some shape or form. One, a definitive Hall of Famer because he's in there. You go to Cooperstown, you are going to see his plaque hanging up in that great hall alongside every player you've heard about and read about as a child growing up from Jackie Robinson to Babe Ruth, Satchel Paige, on down the line, Tom Seaver, Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Piazza, some of the more recent ones. But Larry Walker, he's in there, the one and only player to ever win an MVP award for the Colorado Rockies back in 1997 helped lift the team to its first postseason appearance, you know, just two years after they'd come about after they first get going in 93 in 1995, boom, they go to the postseason partially because of their big free agent signing in Larry Walker. So he's got to be up there and the man known as 
Mr. Rocky, Todd Helton, needs to be there. He should have won an MVP award. That monstrous 2000 season that he had, unfortunately, we did not have the advanced metrics that would have certainly helped inform the conversation around everything that Todd Helton was doing. I think now voters are more apt to give first place votes, second place, third place votes, what have you, to a player on a losing team. You don't need to make the postseason to be considered valuable. How much value could this player add to your team? Well, you didn't make the postseason. You subtract that player. Guess what? The exact same thing is going to happen. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. But we really look at MVP as just kind of being the best player. And you know what? Even if you're not the best player, maybe you get a couple extra bonus points for your contributions down the stretch and to a postseason contender. There are bonus points always given for that. And so that being said, maybe you understand why Helton didn't get that boost. But for him to have finished fifth back in 2000, fifth in NL MVP voting when he was tops in all of the National League at 8.9 wins above replacement, nearly a full run better than the next closest in Andrew Jones, who's at 8.2, and Randy Johnson, who is at 8.1. And after that, the next closest was 7.7 on down. So you add that MVP to his list of, of awards, I think Todd Elton's already in the Hall of Fame, but he's undeniably one of the top two that need to be on that Mount Rushmore, Mount Rocksmore, whatever you want to call it. And then the next two, I think, become a little trickier, but maybe if, you're, if you overthink it too much, you can convince yourself that the third member of this group could belong there. And I think you'll figure it out as I go through. But if we're just looking at war, wins above replacement, which I don't think should be the be-all, end-all. But you look, and you've got Nolan Arenado and Troy Tulowitzki there, third and fourth. And you go, okay, well, let's let's just start from there. Do those guys deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore? Are they? They're obviously in the conversation. They're three and four. The other name that always comes up when I think about it is Carlos Gonzalez. And it's strange that he's actually sixth in wins above replacement behind Trevor Story. We'll get to him in a second. But Cargo is sixth, and you say, well, if he was only a little bit healthier, and sure, he was there in, in 2009 in what was his real – it wasn't even his first full season, if you think about it, because he did – play a decent amount with Oakland in 2008 just before that Matt Holiday trade during that offseason. But he was there in 2009. He was there in 17 and 18. So a rarity to have gone to three postseasons with the Rockies. In fact, I, I think – no, he's not the only one. That's right. I got to correct myself because I'm going, wait, Chris Iannetta I think went to three, but he wasn't on that team in 2017. No, he wasn't. He was on the 2018 team. But where they differ is Cargo was on 2017. Iannetta was on 2007. So Iannetta was there in seven in 2009 as well as 2018. So Cargo obviously should be in that conversation. But when you put him against – a guy like Troy Tulowitzki, who had a lot of the same issues as far as staying healthy, probably was even a little bit healthier than Cargo in some ways, and also was able to put up some seriously monster numbers. You say, well, Tula wins that debate. He also plays a much more premier position at shortstop. You know, Cargo did have, you know, some time in center field, but ultimately that was not the position you might think of him most. And Nolan Arenado, who you know, say what you will about what will happen for the rest of his career, but was just a superstar from day one in 2013 when he finally got the the promotion there. And so I think it, it really is almost a lot simpler than we might think it is. Todd Helton and Larry Walker, obviously, I think they are going to be on everyone's list. I I don't know what you're you're smoking if you don't have those two guys on the list. It doesn't matter what order you mention them, but they need to be on the Mount Rushmore. And then the next two, you know, Tulowitzki and Arenado, and Arenado hurts a lot more because 
You'd probably rather see Cargo's smiling face up there right now. But, you know, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, whatever it may be, I think we'll we'll look back and we'll still say, no, I mean, the intangibles that Cargo brought with, again, the three postseasons, the fan engagement that he had, the way he was even able to deal with the press in such a fantastic way, it's still just not enough for an all-time great like Nolan Arenado, who, frankly, at this point, is probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not a slam dunk. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see because, look, Craig Biggio got 3,000 hit, hits, and he did not even get in on his first ballot. So you, you just never know. But he's a Hall of Famer at this point going forward. I do want to say, well, you know what? Players who also should be in the conversation because they were star players for a period of time. And again, depending on what generation you grew up in, you may have some of these guys on your list, but Dante Bichette, obviously. Andres Galarraga, probably less so. I think there's there's people who might put Bichette ahead of Galarraga because Bichette's best years were in Colorado, whereas Galarraga had some really solid years in Montreal. Probably none better than in Colorado. But then he went on with Atlanta, made a couple of postseasons with different teams, and so it kind of gets spread around a little bit. And while, you know, Galarraga is out doing things with Atlanta, you know, Bichette's still around, along with Vinny Castilla, you'd probably have to throw in there. Charlie Blackman, who I think, you know, gets a little bit overlooked. We're going to have to talk with him on Wednesday on the live show at noon with Drew Goodman about where Charlie Blackman lands because he's got elements of Todd Helton being Mr. Rocky 2.0, but he doesn't have some of the same numbers that everyone else that I've mentioned. He doesn't even really have the numbers in some ways of a Trevor Story, who I really wouldn't even have in this conversation when it comes to Mount Rushmore players, which is crazy to think because, again, he's fifth all time and wins above replacement. Trevor Story. But you say, well, he's behind his teammate and, and left side of the infielder, Nolan Arenado. So for that reason, okay, he's he's a little bit further back on the death chart. And he's behind Tulowitzki at the same position, a shortstop. So although he is fifth, it's almost strange to say, eh, throw his name out there. But there are guys that are a little bit more clearly ahead of him in the depth chart. Cargo can pull on those heartstrings. Bichette can do that as well. Galarraga, you can make the case as that first true superstar. Maybe you could put him ahead of Blackman. I get it. But then, again, you've got Charlie Blackman here. 14, 15 seasons with the Colorado Rockies. Should retire in the purple. Should get his number 19 retired as well. We're seeing Paul O'Neill get his number 21 retired with the Yankees, which is a little surprising. And again, we can talk about that a little bit more with Drew Goodman on Wednesday's live show. You'll hear it as a podcast, either on Thursday or Friday. That's why you got to go back to the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube to watch those conversations. But the Mount Rushmore might, might be somewhat simple. Helton, Walker, Tulo, Arenado. And yes, we know Ubaldo Jimenez is the greatest pitcher of all time. Yes, we know Herman Marquez is making his case to be the greatest, but the hitters, the boppers that I've just named, there's just no way that you could put any of those pitchers in that same class. You just can't. And you just can't pass up an opportunity to head on down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York, partially because your member-sized beer is going to be delicious, especially if it's a Breckenridge Brewery beer straight from the tap. It's also because of the Avalanche watch party going down on Wednesday at 5.30. We'll also have the Rapids game on after that at 8.15. We'll also have the Rapids on at least one television at 6.15. Not a proper watch party like the Abs at 5.30, but nevertheless, that'll be going Rams at 7. So we'll make sure that all of those teams are represented Thursday. Buffs basketball at 7. Nuggets watch party at 8. That's a big one. Saturday. A full day of activity. The MLS season opens up. Rapids at 1.30. We've got Buffs at 6, Nuggets at 7, and Avalanche Watch Party at 8 p.m. Rams at 8.30. And then on Sunday, hey, wrap up your week. Put a bow on it. Put a cherry on top again with another Nuggets Watch Party at 7 p.m. 
get that member size beer. You get extra bonuses when the raffles, when they're giving away stuff, so you can get some free swag. It's only 50 cents now for your first month, and an annual membership does get you a free shirt at DNVR Locker. You saw Rudo having it in studio on Monday, a show that we did all about the implications of the 2004 to 2005 NHL lockout. What was the issue between the owners and the players? How does that parallel what's happening in baseball? What rules were changed to make it a better overall sport, better gameplay? What could that look like for baseball? Again, only can get that right now over on the DNVR Sports Channel on YouTube. Check that out before it does drop later this week as a podcast. But he had the Avalanche Ale going there. He loves those caramel malts. He loves the balance for that satisfying anytime beer. The touch of bittering hops really is the key that makes Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Ale just so perfect for this time of year. And Hoops fans, what's also perfect really is the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Because their offer is too good to pass up. New customers right now, this is a slam dunk of a deal, gang. You can bet just $1 on any team, and you're going to get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Favorite or underdog. And come on, you don't, you don't need to show off with an underdog. Pick a favorite. Pick one that you know is going to win. So you bet that $1, you get $150 in free bets. Hey, and you can also do those same game parlays, which again, if it's something that doesn't seem like it's going to pay out a lot, you can stack three or four of those things together and get a real big payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and you're going to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. On Monday and Tuesday and for the rest of this week, in fact, I think it may even extend until next week, until that February 28th deadline that MLB sent out saying, look, if we don't have a deal done by February 28th, we may not have opening day as scheduled on March 31st. And look, that's a deadline that both parties need to deal with, not just the players. Both parties need to figure that out. And so far, the conversation over these two days hasn't really done much in my estimation. It seems that both parties are really just trying to find creative ways to have the exact same outcome, uh, move a number here, move a number there. Let's at least make it seem as if there's some give and take, but they're not giving a lot and they want to take a lot more. Again, understand the players right now are at a major disadvantage and they really just want fair pay. That's it. They just want fair pay. And it's, it's about money. You know, it, it always does come down to that. But what's frustrating is right now, Major League Baseball, in, in day 85 here, this lockout, there is a lot that they agree on. There really is. They agree on the universal DH. That's great. No more pitchers hitting in the NL and potentially getting hurt. They agree that there should be a lot. They agree that there should be a draft lottery. They even agree that teams shouldn't lose draft picks for signing free agents because there's a penalty for teams that want to get better and sign free agents. That shouldn't happen. And there's a penalty for the player to not get the contract they should get in free agency because teams say, well, you know, if we lose this pick, that's about a million and a half or two million that we're going to lose out on. And Gosh, you know, that player with making the league minimum, that's that player's gonna be worth a lot to us. So we're gonna have to skim that off the top of your deal. That's something that's helped lower the average salary. And so both parties have decided to get rid of that. That's great. They both agreed that there needs to be a pre-arbitration pool for players who perform really well before they get to arbitration. And so they're trying to get these players paid when they're younger. They've agreed on that. They just haven't agreed upon how much money should be in that pool. MLB is at $20 million, and the Players Association is at $115 million. 
Again, you could go right smack dab in the middle, but that's just not how these negotiations work. I really wish they could just cut the crap and do that. And one thing that they don't necessarily agree on, but something they don't need to agree on is rule changes. The commissioner can unilaterally change the rules of the sport, the on-field rules. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. MLB is not going to institute some kind of rule change for on-the-field play that's going to be bad for the game. It may annoy the players, and it may annoy you watching at home in a general sense, but guess what? They're they're trying to make the game better. They're, they're trying to do the little things well so that the big things, like people coming out to ball games, being more interested in their sport, those big things can take care of themselves. They're not trying to punish players. So you know what? Again, there's a lot that they agree on, but the things that they don't are the big ticket items and are the things that you wish that they could just both say, let's just meet right in the middle and not view that as a loss. And that's that's partially what both sides are looking at this like, is if if it's not somewhat closer to our end of the spectrum, then we lost. And that could end up forcing opening day to get pushed back if they don't have a deal on or around February 28th. So the draft lottery, that's coming. That's on its way. That's exciting. That should bring a lot more attention to Major League Baseball, not during the offseason, because that's not when MLB has their draft, but it will create an event in the offseason that will allow for the draft lottery pick, whether it's January when typically the hot stove season cools just a little bit. A lot of the biggest free agents maybe have already signed, and so maybe you see that at the end of January where you have the lottery and get people pumped up to watch college baseball like they are now, or high school baseball, whatever it is. But that is on its way. MLB upped their offer from three teams to four teams in the lottery, and the Players Association, they opened with eight. Now they moved back down to seven. So we'll probably end up getting five. That'll be smack dab in the middle for the draft lottery. Arbitration eligibility. Right now, what it's been in the current system is, again, with three years of service time, Three years of service time is not three years. It's not three calendar years. Service time is calculated by days on a big league roster. That's part of the problem with anti-taking measures and service manipulation is you can shuttle a player back and forth to the minors and you say, wow, it seems like every time I was at the ballpark, I saw Justin Lawrence pitch or Ben Bowden or Jonathan Daza was playing or Alan Trejo, whatever it may be. But you know what? They were down when you weren't at the ballpark or when the team was on the road, whatever it may be. And so although you say, wow, yeah, I had almost a full season in the majors, it could have been closer to half of a season when it comes to service time. So you need three years of service time to get arbitration and really start moving up in the world where you're making more than the minimum salary. Well, there's a system in place where players that only have two years of service time, but they have the most two years of service time. In other words, they're close to three. They may have like two years and 85% of a third year. Well, the top 22% of that group, they call it super two, 22%, two, 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 two. Just had that yesterday. Top 22% will go into that group. Well, the Players Association said, It needs to be closer to 80% because we've got to get these players off of the minimum salary sooner because they're not making money in free agency. And a majority of baseball are players on the minimum salary. It's over 50%. So many players don't even reach arbitration. They don't even get to that point where they can even sit in some kind of boardroom and argue about, hey, I'm worth $1.2 million rather than $1.1 million. In a situation like that, you probably would work it out. But teams have gone to arbitration for that that $100,000. So many players don't even get to that point. So MLB, PA, Players Association, is saying, hey, we want it to be closer to the majority. Way more like the majority, 80%. They said, okay, actually, we'll do 75%. But MLB, the owners, has said, nope. We're going to stay at 22%. And so that, that's a sign that this could be 
one of the larger sticking points between the two sides. You also have the collective bargaining tax. MLB right now wants to raise only $4 million over last season, where it was at $210 million. And they just want to increase it by $2 million every year, which is nothing. That's ridiculous. Players Association thinks it should be closer to $245 million in 2022. And then by the end of the CBA, in five years, it should be at $273 million. And you go, oh, that's just more money for teams to spend. The teams that want to spend money are still going to spend money so long as the tax rate does not go up higher, which is something MLB wants to do. If the tax rate goes up higher, then it hardens that soft cap and really makes it a true salary cap in many ways. And so if the penalties are really bad, the tax on it, I should say, and the number is lower, it makes it easier for those large market teams to not go out and spend the big bucks they typically would on free agents. And if they're not spending, the mid-market teams certainly don't need to spend. And the small market teams certainly can just deal with the scraps that are left over and not really have to worry about shelling out a lot of money or competing with other teams. And we know the Rockies have done a good job at spending money on payroll, but we also know that they haven't really competed in free agents in quite some time. Now, it certainly would become a challenge if they did, but at the same time, they might be a little bit more aggressive. Teams are going to operate a little bit differently, knowing full well that you can't wait for scraps because there may not be any, because teams are, are going to be allowed to be a lot more aggressive. And so again, increasing that collective bargaining tax threshold, that soft cap, by making it bigger, Yes, it does mean teams like the Dodgers and even the Giants can spend more money. But look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They do not need money to be successful. And if teams like the Dodgers and Giants are going to spend big money, sure, it may negatively impact the Rockies on field. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. But that kind of spending for the big market teams is greatly going to help the Players Association. And really, it's going to create less strife within not only the Players Association, but also between the Players Association and MLB. Because the money is going to be flowing a lot better, and everyone's going to feel pretty good about getting their piece of the pie. The final thing is, is the league minimum. That's been this other element, too, is there's a gap of $145,000, which you say, hey, that's not a lot. But we're talking about every player on a league minimum for two to three years. Now, as I mentioned, more than half the players in MLB are not arbitration eligible. So we're talking about a lot of league minimum players. Look at the Rockies roster last year in 2021. Guys who are making the league minimum. Listen to how many. Brendan Rodgers, Connor Joe, Sam Hilliard, Garrett Hampson, Dom Nunez, Jonathan Daza, Austin Gomber, Lucas Gilbert, Jordan Sheffield, Justin Lawrence, Ben Bowden, Ashton Godot. Right now, if you look at the 2022 roster, before we talk about any additions in, in free agency or trades, you have 14 of the 26 guys as not being arbitration eligible last year. Tyler Kinley is also in that group. 14 of the 26 that are on the roster right now that you would say, all right, these are probably going to be the 26 guys. Last year, 14 of them, more than half. We're making the league minimum. And that's not just typical of the Rockies. A lot of teams have that. And what allows teams to do that is service time manipulation. It allows teams to shuttle guys back and forth to the minors. And this is another one of those things to help try to get the money flowing to these younger players a lot sooner. Now, MLB said, you know what? We've got a strategy where we'll give two draft picks to the team that has a player who finishes in the top three of the Cy Young Award, MVP, and the Rookie of the Year. And you go, hey, yes, yes. Okay, these are good things. And it's a good idea, but it doesn't actually address service time manipulation in any way. In any way. It doesn't. Manipulation is preventing a player from starting his service time clock. And thus, it prevents them from getting to arbitration quicker and free agency quicker. And so... If you can keep a guy down in the minors long enough, like a Wander Franco, we saw him play last year 
uh, a man among boys. He's the he's the age of some boys, but he he is uh, definitely a man. And you know, if he had gotten called up earlier, probably would have won the Rookie of the Year award, which meant he would have made money in arbitration, which means maybe he would have been a super two. And so all of these things add up. But if you can tamp down his service time and maybe bring him up later in the season, where obviously he's not going to get MVP or Cy Young award notoriety. And certainly it's going to hurt his rookie of the year award candidate because he hasn't been around all year long. Well, then that's greatly going to reduce the amount of opportunity he gets to at least win that award, to at least win the rookie of the year award. And so the players association said, Hey, look, this is great. We like some version of the owner's proposal, but again, you would still need to reward players with an additional year of service time based upon their performance. So again, let's go ahead and allow these players to get to free agency a little bit sooner for performing. Give them a reward. And even in that proposal, again, there aren't tons of details, but as a concept, that still feels like it could be manipulated. Because if you have all the top 100 prospects and you have teams that say, no, 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 let's wait to bring up the guy after the All-Star break, because even if he's phenomenal, he's probably not going to put up the same numbers as someone who's been on the big league roster for six months. So that player who wins, who's been around for the entire year, gets the Rookie of the Year award, and then maybe gets the free agency a year sooner, but he wasn't a top 100 prospect. He was a player that pretty much was was overlooked and might not have as great of a career. Now, we saw that with Trevor Story making the opening day roster in 2016. You go, well, hey, Patrick, he wasn't a top 100 prospect. No, he was not. But for every Trevor Story that starts the year on the opening day roster and makes his debut, there are players that you never hear about again. I mean, look at Chris Coughlin. He even won the Rookie of the Year award, for crying out loud, and could barely stick around for a handful of seasons. Angel Baroa, go back and, and look up that name and see what his career looked like. And so if it's just a a compiling award, say, hey, look, you had 80 RBI and in 150 games, you stayed healthy. That's worth more than this guy. He only had 60 RBI, but he did in half the amount of time. Well, geez, I mean, again, you look at rate stats, it's going to give you a much better idea as to who is better. So there's still ways that can manipulate the situation. Look, expanded postseason is another one they can't agree on. That's going to have to do a lot with money. And I want to break that that one down a lot more because if there are more teams that go to the postseason, does that mean teams will not need to work as hard or do as much to get to the postseason? Again, look at our Rockies. Look at this team. How, you know, year in and year out, since 2019, there's been talk about, hey, if everything goes right, they are a contender. And you say, yeah, they're a contender. They're contending for a spot in the postseason, but they are not a true wild card threat where you're going to put money on them. Again, hanging around until the all-star break or until the trade deadline is one thing, but really being close to the conversation, the two weeks left in the season, that's that's totally different. And so if there are more playoff teams, you could have an owner that points and said, look, hey, look, I know we were under 500, but there were a couple teams that made the postseason that were under 500, and we were like three or four games worse than them. And so the Rockies could go and have the ninth and 10th pick almost every single season and still feel really good about it. In fact, feel a lot better because, hey, we only missed the postseason by a little bit. There doesn't really seem to be a problem here when we all know there is a problem. And we hope that maybe they're they're solving some new things under the leadership of Bill Schmidt and the new analytics department led by Scott Van Linton and with Clint Hurdle now as one of the special assistants to the general manager. We will wait and see about that. But you certainly should not wait to take care of your teeth, especially when it comes to going to Green Mountain Dental Group, because they take great care of all of their folks that come through the door. Look, they did it with Allie. They did it with Lindsay. And they had their wisdom teeth taken out. That's serious stuff. And 
look, they got through that really hard time because of the great care that Green Mountain Dental has for their customers, their clients. They will call you, they will contact you, make sure you get the right med- medication if you if you have something that's serious going down. And even if you don't, great, they're perfect for, for cleaning. Uh, I've enjoyed their uh, pain-free, you know, when I when I get the plaque chiseled off my teeth, all that gruesome stuff. Look, it's it's painless. They're very delicate. They do a fantastic job over there. And right now, they're actually giving you a free Sonicare toothbrush if you sign up for a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Finally, I did want to get to the main topic of the day. And I, I think I've got enough time to dig into all this. We'll have to throw some of this on top of our buddy Drew Goodman on Wednesday. It's it's a new website. Look, it's it's not a new concept, but there is a new website that you can play around with. It's I'm not going to say it's primitive, but there's just no frills just yet. A young guy designed it. Might need to have him on the show, but it's called MLBTradeTrees.com. And a trade tree, just like the roots of a tree and the branches and each stem, each leaf that comes off, it forks off right? They, it grows from one source. It grows from a single seed and it continues and it can have a life of its own and, and the nuts can fall and of course create new trees, which I don't necessarily know how that works in the analogy of MLB trade trees, but the Rockies have had their fair share of trade trees. Now, look, they haven't really done a lot on the trade front in the last few years. You know, the Herman Marquez deal is is a big one and so that's a that's a tree that pretty much just grows straight up it doesn't really fork off anywhere at all i think for tampa it may because they turned around and traded Corey dickerson but and and jake mcgee you know he resigned so technically that that's not considered part of the the tree because that was now a separate deal but nevertheless you just got herman marquez and we'll see maybe if the rockies do ever trade him you can look back and say wow the rockies took Corey Dickerson and Kevin Padlow and 20 years later turned it into X, Y, and Z, because that's what we're going to get to today. A player who was drafted in 1993 in the inaugural season, not the inaugural draft, that was 92, but in the inaugural season in 93, gets selected in the first round and his trade tree ends up stretching all the way for 22 seasons. It's, it's true. It's, it's crazy. So, so this is actually an article that came out uh, maybe a week or two ago on the DNVR.com on the Rockies side that I wrote up. And I won't give too much of it away, of course. If you are a member, you can access that article and all the other great content with Nuggets, Avs, Rams, Buffs, Broncos, you name it. And if you're not a member, 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. Rockies had outfielder, guy by the name of Terry Jones. And he gets traded with a guy who I don't believe ever played the majors. He was a minor league player, Mark Mangum, and goes to the Expos for another minor leaguer, Mark Hamlin, and Dave Varis, who had two incredible seasons out of the bullpen for the Rockies. Look him up. Really, really good. In fact, one of those guys who they play in Colorado and say, yeah, this place is amazing. I need to live here. And so he does. Dave Harris actually is the he's a pitching coach down at Cherry Creek High School. Another guy need to have him on at some point to talk about his playing career. But eventually, though, after two years with the Rockies in November of 99, he gets dealt with Luther, Luther Hackman, another reliever, and Daryl Kyle. Rockies need to dump a little bit of payroll. And in return, Rockies get a bunch of relievers, basically. And, and Brent Butler, you remember that name. But of those relievers that they got, Jose Jimenez, you know, ended up saving 41 games, which was a franchise record for saves that lasted over a decade. But they get Manny Ibar. You might remember him a little bit fondly. Then he gets traded back to Cincinnati for Gabe White, who had quite possibly the best season ever by a Rockies reliever. It's like four and a half wins above replacement. Phenomenal. We've talked about him a bunch over the years here on the DNVR Rockies podcast, big Gabe White fan, lefty, fantastic. The funny thing is he was actually traded like three or four days into the season. So had to move, makes the opening day roster, has to adjust. And then Ho-Hum has legitimately one of the top 10 
pitching seasons, period. Not just for a reliever, but for a Rockies pitcher in general. Yes, that's how good it was. So he goes, gets dealt for Dennis Reyes and Pokey Reese. He also goes back to the Reds, and two things happen happen here. One, Dennis Reyes ends up getting traded for two players and, and some cash. And one of the players is a future National League Manager of the Year. Won't tell you who again. Got to go check out that article. But if you know your Rockies history, you know, hey, there's been a couple, a couple former Rockies that later became a manager. Got to go over there and check that out. But what I will tell you is Pokey Reese, they get him, turn around him, trade him the next day for Scott Hatterberg. The Rockies release Scott Hatterberg. And then about 11 days after that, he is picked up by the Oakland Athletics, thus starting Moneyball. Yes. I've I've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's been a while. But got to hammer that home, that Moneyball, the book, the philosophy, the movie before Brad Pitt and the actor who plays Ron Washington there, before they go to Chris Pratt, and Scott Hatterberg, right? It's the holiday season. And he's thinking, I, I can't catch anymore. I'm done. My days are done. And they said, that's fine. We want you to play first base. What had him so down in the dumps was the fact that he had just been cut by the Colorado Rockies. That is how Moneyball starts. Now, going over to the other part of the tree, back in that Daryl Kyle, Dave Varis deal, Rockies got Rick Crochure which they end up getting four players from Boston for. One of them is uh, somewhat of a hitting guru, Jeff Fry. You might follow him or have an eye on him somewhere on Twitter. That thing keeps going and going. Rockies end up getting Ron Valone out of the deal. Did a nice job. Kane Davis, Juan Acevedo, and Astros bench coach, Joe Espada, who never played in the majors. In fact, I don't even think he played the minors for the Rockies. But nevertheless, he was one of those players that came out of that deal. So all from one player, Terry Jones, in that 93 season, they get Dave Varis, and then they continue to make trades and add pieces and components to make the club better. It's, again, that's what teams like Tampa do. San Diego does that. They haven't been quite as good at it lately. They're, they're mainly trading away their prospects, but we've seen Seattle do it with Jerry DePoto and all those trades and say, hey, you know what? You really value this guy. We like him, but you know what? You value him more than I do. So we'll trade him to you and we'll get some more pieces and keep doing that and doing that. And yeah, the roster turns over a lot, but you can see the benefits of how you take a guy like Terry Jones, who did not play very much in 93 with the Rockies, and you end up somewhere down the line getting 41 saves at a Jose Jimenez. You get a great year out of Gabe White, Ron Valone, Manny Ibar, Rick Crochier. Like you, you get pieces that will help you out. You just have to take that risk. Another deal I got to tell you about is one again that goes back to 1993. Rockies select Jamie Wright in the first round and pitches for Colorado for a while. Starts to get expensive as he go through goes through arbitration, and he's packaged in a deal with Henry Blanco and Justin Miller to the Brewers for Scott Carl and Jeff Cirillo. Great trade. I think that was definitely a win for the Rockies there. Cirillo, an all-star in the year 2000, played really well in 2001. But then Cirillo goes and gets flipped to Seattle, where the Rockies get Denny Stark, who was very valuable for them in that 2002 season, even got some Rookie of the Year award votes. Jose Peniagua and Brian Fuentes. Yes, Brian Fuentes came over in that Jeff Cirillo deal, which was preceded by the Jamie Wright trade. Now, Fuentes, three-time All-Star with the Rockies. He got a fourth with the Angels, and Fuentes ends up leaving as a free agent, as I said, when he signs with Los Angeles there in the AL. Rockies get a compensation pick. They sign Rex Brothers, Sexy Rexy. Boom, you get a lot of value out of that. He gets traded to the Cubs. Wander Cabrera, nothing really much has come of that. So that ends up dying unless he somehow comes back and, and 
has somewhat of a career, but it would have to be with the Rockies. Otherwise, that is uh, technically a different tree. But that lasts 22 years, from 1993 to the point that Wander Cabrera leaves the Rockies in 2015. And I know you're thinking, well, how many other active trades are there? The Herman Marquez is one, obviously, a very notable one. But the Troy Chulowitzki trade, still active. It is still active for a few reasons. Now, the four players are technically, I mean, three out of the four are no longer with the organization. Jose Reyes, we know, got released pretty quickly once his suspension was up. Miguel Castro was waived, uh, quickly picked up by the Orioles. Good good pickup for them. Still lament the day that they let him go and, and not Jordan Lyles. I think that might have been a misstep. You never know. Who knows? Jesus Tinoco, now he's with the team, but he came back after he was put on waivers by the Marlins. So right now, Jesus Tinoco technically is no longer part of it today, but he was, when he was still with the Rockies, first go-around, he was traded for Chad Smith, a reliever who did really well last year in Albuquerque. He didn't see any time in the big leagues. We'll see what happens next year. He's still around, again, not, not in the major, so technically you can say that that part, that branch is dead, but it, it still has that potential if Smith comes up to the majors or if Smith gets traded. And the other guy, no longer with the team, but he was used as a trade chip to keep this thing alive. Jeff Hoffman, remember, he was dealt with Case Williams last offseason for Jamison Hanna, who we've yet to see in the majors. Not sure if we will. He definitely flashed a lot of really awesome leather in spring training last year. We'll kind of wait and see if his growth continues to make some progress. But Robert Stevenson, yes, Robert Stevenson is now part of that Troy Tulowitzki trade tree. And now he only has two more years left on his deal. So we'll kind of wait and see what happens on that. If he's potentially used as a trade chip, I think he'll probably be a guy that a lot of teams will be coveting. At the trade deadline this year, especially, you know, depending on where the Rockies are going and what difference can one reliever make on a team that's kind of middling at best. Again, we'll have to get into the season and actually play it to have a better understanding of that. But nevertheless, they go ahead and and, and trade Chad Smith or give him a chance on on the roster at some point, or they do trade Robert Stevenson to get more prospects or more big league talent. We can say, hey. The Troy Tulowitzki trade tree is still alive back in 2015. So maybe maybe it can make a decade. Maybe it can be one of the few deals that lasts a decade. So it's something to check out. Again, MLB trade trees. Go ahead, play around. Do some research on that one Cleveland trade that I highlighted in the article on the DNVR.com. Jerry Dibzinski. See if you can look him up. The trade that's still active goes back to 1983 and does implicate somebody that you've been seeing in the Rockies dugout the last couple years. Again, if you've read the article, you know who I'm talking about. And even if you didn't, you don't have the membership, you can get one for only 50 cents. And hey, if you don't have 50 cents, if you don't have two quarters to rub together, that's okay. Do me a favor. Please leave a review wherever you listen to this. Please could use some more of those to help boost us in the ratings. That really goes a long way. I appreciate it. And maybe on Wednesday, if you listen to this first thing in the morning, I know some of you guys are crazy and you do that at 5 a.m. when it drops. And I appreciate that. Appreciate that kind of passion. But if you are around at noon on Wednesday when you listen to this, or even if it's after the fact, make sure you head on over to the DNVR Sports Channel over on YouTube to watch the live conversation and interview with Drew Goodman. And we'll break that down a little bit. Who's that mystery man that was involved in a trade that took place nearly 40 years ago? It's still active. Cleveland is very active on the trade front, and they just keep it going and going and going. And it's still active to this day. So much great content still coming out this week. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Evan Lang on Tuesday. Again, you can watch a video of that over on the DNVR Sports channel. 
We had the one-on-one -on -one with Rudo talking about the NHL lockout in 2004-2005. It wasn't just a lockout. It was a loss of an entire season. We don't want that to happen when it comes to baseball. But you know what? There's something that maybe we can learn from that lockout in 04-05. The Drew Goodman conversation is going to be live. We've got one in the can about the top 10, top 10 all-time greatest Colorado Rockies minor league affiliate logos. That bad boy's coming out soon. And somewhat exclusive, recorded this on Tuesday evening, got to sit down for about 20 minutes to, to uh, have a one-on-one. -on -one. It should go up at noon on Friday, one-on-one -on -one with Yorvis Torrealba, son of Yorvit Torrealba. He gets into what life was like hanging around Coors Field and getting to watch Cargo and Tulowitzki. He got spoiled really nicely there. Even have memories of Barry Bonds when his dad was in San Francisco, goes into winning a championship with the University of Tampa, being drafted by the Rockies, his, his favorite team. That was the memories of 2007. Does get into even you know his kidnapping when he was 11 years old. It, it was, was surprised that he was willing to offer up what he did. So that's a, a must listen to. And of course, he lights up most when, you know, not only talking about his love for the organization in general, it was his favorite team as a kid growing up, but when talking about his teammates, when talking about Tolia and Tovar and Adael Amador, Reagan Todd, he goes into all of those teammates along the way from Boise to the Arizona Complex Leagues to guys that he's been training with since being drafted in 2019. So keep your eye out for that on Friday at noon on the DNVR Sports channel. That one's going to be a fun one. Can't wait for you all to hear that. So this has been great. It's been fun. Also got to make sure to tell you to, to follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. But you can't rest on your laurels. So you know what they say about momentum. Look, it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we're going to have to do this again tomorrow. And I'm going to have to step it up that much more. I'll talk to you then.